This is Jeff Young, the Catholic Foodie at CatholicFoodie.com, and you're listening to episode 76 of the Catholic Foodie, El Camino. Welcome to the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. I am your host, Jeff Young, and I'm so glad that you're here. We have an excellent show today. I'm excited about it. Uh, not because of me. I'm, I'm very excited about it because of all the great stuff we're going to talk about. Uh, on the show today, we have Sandy Garaizar, uh, who is in Spain, and I've got more to tell you about her in a little bit. And she'll be on the show with us. I have a recipe uh, for round steak, Italian recipe for round steak I'm going to share with you. And also uh, just some other news. I'll catch you up on my retreat this weekend here at the Catholic Foodie, where food meets faith. Yeah, that intro is just too short. Let me tell you some more about what's going to be on the show today. Uh, lots of good stuff. I'm by myself. Uh, Char is not with is not with me. She's with the kids, running them all over the place. Uh, that's what moms do sometimes, right? They become taxi drivers. Uh, but we, we do have um, on the show... Sandy, uh, who is in Spain. I'll tell you more about that later. Uh, also, we're going to recap the past week. I'm going to recap the past week. It's been just crazy with celebrations. We had two big celebrations, plus a, uh, a retreat that we went to in New Orleans uh, with Immaculate Ilabigisa. Uh, you may, uh, Ilibagisa, I think I said that right. You may remember her from a couple of episodes back. I did an, had an interview with her. Uh, survivor of the Rwandan genocide. So I'm going to recap that for you. It was a fantastic retreat. Uh, also, uh, an Italian round steak recipe, which uh, something I prepared last night, which is really cool. We have Mary in the kitchen, and we've got a few other things too. So I'm going to, uh, we're going to just jump right on in here. I'd like the chef salad, please, with the oil and vinegar on the side and the apple pie a la mode. Chef and apple a la mode. But I'd like the pie heated, and I don't want the ice cream on top. I want it on the side, and I'd like strawberry instead of vanilla if you have it. If not, then no ice cream, just whipped cream, but only if it's real. If it's out of the can, then nothing. Not even the pie? No, just the pie, but then not heated. Uh-huh. I'll have what she's having. Now, um, I have to tell you, I feel like I'm kind of loopy right now. I'm, I'm a little scattered and I think it's because I had been talking on the phone for quite a while this morning. Um, I had a wonderful conversation with Sandy Garaisar, uh, who I met on Facebook, I don't know, two or three weeks ago. And you know, she's, <laughs> just to give you a little background, she is Mexican originally. She's from Mexico. As a matter of fact, when we first met uh, on Facebook, and it, it, was, it was through the Catholic Foodie site, and then we became, uh, she became my friend on my personal page. And she made a comment on one of the posts, the wall posts that I made. And so uh, we got to, to talking. And, and, it, and it went from making you know comments back and forth on this post to, uh, to chat, went on the Facebook chat. And I was absolutely amazed. You know, there's like a, I can't remember, like a nine-hour difference or something between here and Spain. And uh, we we just we just got to chatting. It was like one o'clock in the morning for me, and uh, but I, I didn't care. I was like, "This is cool." Turns out that when I was in the seminary in Mexico, if you remember that, I was I spent two years in Mexico with Mother Teresa's priests. I was actually in just outside Tijuana, 
on the West Coast. And uh, believe it or not, she's from there. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. We were talking about some of the, the same places, like places she used to love to go. And I had been there. I was like, whoa, that's just so cool. So uh, we, we talked about Tijuana a lot and her family back there. And uh, then for a long while, she lived in the States. Um, and then in, I think it was 2001, you'll hear more about this uh, in our conversation. I'm going to play for you shortly. But I think it was in 2001, she made her first uh, pilgrimage on the way of St. James or the Camino de Santiago de Compostela in Spain. And I think she's made five full pilgrimages there. And as a result of the life-changing experience she had, she ended up moving to Spain. Uh, she met her husband on the Camino. I, I can't remember which one, uh, but I think she'll tell us in the um, in the interview. And uh, she now lives in Spain and produces a wine. So that's why she's on the Catholic Foodie. She's a very cool lady, first of all. Uh, has lots of great Catholic stuff to share with us as far as the Camino goes. She's a foodie extraordinaire. Her husband, Nigel, which I should have had him on, too, to talk about uh, the fact that he's a chef. Can you believe it? Uh, they produce a wine, and uh, Nigel is a chef. I was so excited to hear that. So uh, Sandy will be on to talk to us about that. And uh, on top of all of that, um, I can't remember what else I was going to say. <laughs> I'm just, she's a Catholic. She's a foodie. Um, she's really cool, and I think you'll enjoy this conversation that I had with her earlier this morning. I'm very happy to announce today to, to let you know that we have a special guest with us. I'm very excited about this. It's Sandy Garaisar, and she is in Spain. Uh, she's got a very special foodie story, and I'd like to share that with you today. So, Sandy, welcome. Well, thank you, Jeff. Nice to be here. You know, we met on Facebook, I guess, uh, what, a couple of weeks ago, and yes. uh, we, we ended up chatting for a while because we realized that uh, we had some things in common. Many things in common, actually. <laughs> I couldn't believe it. I mean, I was. Including uh, Mexican food. <laughs> that's right. That's right. And I can't remember what it was that, uh, that started the conversation. I think it was something that I posted, and then you made a comment. It was, it was uh, just kind of right on. And so. We started chatting. I think it was like one o'clock in the morning over here, and yes. Uh, but I, I just, I was so tickled. I was like, "This is really cool." <laughs> Matter of fact, you live in Spain, but you're actually uh, Mexican. Is that right? Yes, yes. I was actually born and raised in Mexico, and then, um, and then we, um, uh, I moved to the United States in 1984 uh, when I got married. I had uh, my first child, a girl, in 1986, and a boy in 1988. And in 2007, I moved to Spain after wow. you know having lived in California and Arizona for a very long time. Oh my goodness! Now, what? What? what why Spain? Well, um, I I was um, I was going through a very difficult time back in two thousand and one. And a neighbor of mine uh, came up and put a rosary in my hand and said, uh, if you have a chance, go and do the way of St. James. And if you do, it will change your life. And I started thinking about it and reading about it. And one day I just decided I'm going to go and walk the way of St. James. Little did I know that it was more than 500 miles. Oh, my goodness. You know, I studied, that, 
Oh, go ahead. No, and then I started coming back, uh, you know, again in 2003 and again in 2006 and 2007 just saw me moving up here. Wow. And you and your husband moved from? Uh... Uh, yeah, actually, I met my husband on the Camino in 2006. Wow. Awesome. That's mm -hmm. amazing. So how many times have you made the Camino now? Uh, five. Five times. Goodness gracious. Now, the Camino, which, you know, I had always, um, yeah, I studied Spanish in college, and of course I lived in Mexico, which we'll talk about in just a minute, but uh, I'd always heard of it as, as uh, uh, the Camino de Santiago de Compostela. And right. Compostela is up in the northern part of Spain, is that correct? The north, uh, north, I guess is west, isn't it? Yes, yes. And yes, very, very close to Finisterre, which in antiquity used to be considered the end of the earth. The end of the earth. Because it, <laughs> mm -hmm, because it was the furthest you know, point to the west. Right, right. And what is that right across the border? Um, isn't it the, the, uh, the Alps or something? Well, you actually, you actually start traditionally, you start in St. Jean Piet de Port on the other side of the Pyrenees in France, the and then you go right. through the mountain arriving in Roncesvalles in Spain and then you start walking from there but then again that's that's the most commonly used route but there are many others there's actually 10,000 kilometers of um, yellow arrows just in Spain alone and if you follow the yellow arrow they take you to Santiago de Compostela now the yellow arrows are those just directional signs what is that yeah, um, actually they are. Um, the, the story goes that many pilgrims um, in the area near Osebredo, uh, they used to get lost. And the priest up there you know, was trying to figure out a way of, of helping the pilgrims find their way over to Santiago because it's, um, it, it's, uh, it's a tricky little pass you know, through there, all these little paths and all. And the story goes that there was a uh, gentleman who used to work for the uh, transportation department and he had a lot of leftover yellow paint. And so, you know, he offered it to the priest and then they started, you know, painting the yellow arrows and it was working just fine. And then, you know, he started kind of going along the path, marking the path with yellow arrows. And I heard a story that um, two police officers from La Guardia Civil uh, saw him and and you know some friends that you know some people that were helping him putting um, putting yellow arrows on the Camino many years ago and uh, they said well what are you doing and he said preparing a um, an in the invasion of Galicia you know basically <laughs> by pilgrims and uh, and as it is it really has been a, a, an invasion um, people have been doing this you know this pilgrimage for over 1,200 years God. and it's an incredibly humbling experience uh, to be on the path, you know, with so many, you know, pilgrims that have gone, you know, before you, you know, and to go and see James. Wow. And, and, what, I mean, the experience must be life-changing. It really truly is. Um, it's almost like a microcosm um, of your life. Um, you have you make wonderful wonderful friends you meet incredible people um, as a matter of fact perhaps one of the most life-changing experiences for me um, back in 2001 I found out you know that my credit card wasn't working 
and I, I didn't have a cell phone. I didn't have anything and I couldn't get in touch, you know, with my family back in the States or in Mexico. And, um, you know, it was just, I mean, I was lost because it was my first time here and at the expense of sounding dumb, um, I literally sat down on a bench and started crying. And the only thing that I said was, Lord, I place myself before you. If you, you know, if you want me to keep on going, give me the means. And, you know, if I'm being dumb by this, then give me a sign and I'll go back home, you know, somehow. And uh, lo and behold, I had not walked 50 meters and I started talking to this older couple and um, they invited me inside their home. Uh, they gave me to eat. They packed lunch for me. They were offended over the fact that I had water in my in my water bottle instead of wine. Go <laughs> <laughs> figure. And uh, and that's just that's just kind of how I came about. And for me, it was um, it was an experience that deeply changed, you know, my faith from from practicing it and 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 living it to actually feeling the power of God at work in my life. Um, and then when I got to Santiago, um, I was very humbled by the experience because I got chosen to do the reading at the Pilgrim's Mass at this incredible, incredible cathedral. And um, I mean, I still remember, you know, the, the, the reading uh, from Corinthians and it said, we do incredible things, you know, um, you know, not to show how great we are, but how great God is, you know, it's, it's, um, you know, we're jars of clay and, uh, you know, it's like we get knocked down and we get, you know, we stand up and it, I mean, it was, it was, for me, it was, um, it was a life changing experience. Absolutely. I cannot even describe it. There are no words to describe what happened. See that that's amazing. Uh, what you said earlier about how it's a microcosm of life. Um, you, uh -huh. you sent me a link uh, just a little while ago about the Camino, a documentary being made about the Camino. And right. one of the comments made in this trailer was, was just that. It's like a, um, uh, a sign of or a microcosm of life because life is a journey. And I tell you, to, to have we forget that. I mean, life is crazy. I don't know about your life, but my life tends to be a bit crazy, <laughs> kind of chaotic. And we forget sometimes, at least I forget, uh, that life is a journey and there's a destination that I'm heading for, first of all. But secondly, mm -hmm. that, 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 that things that happen to us in life aren't necessarily permanent in the big scheme of things. And that on this journey, we have each other to travel with, but also that God is really active and present in our lives. That is something that I need to be reminded of all the time. And to think about having an intense experience where you can see God working in your life on the Camino seems to me, and I haven't done it, but it seems to me that it would help you to see God at work in the rest of your life too. Do you mm -hmm. find that that's the case? Yeah, I found that that's the case, um, you know, because I'm the, I'm the sort of Catholic that... Um, or, or, or the generational Catholic that, um, you know, was raised with this idea of, of, of this God that was always watching me, that I had to be afraid of if, um, if I didn't do my homework, 
or or if I didn't do my chores, um, you know, or or if I <clears throat> was 15 minutes late, you know, my my grandmother's my grandmother's idea, you know, and um, when you get to be my age, it can be a little bit difficult, you know, to change a lot of your perspectives. And one of the things that happened to me on the Camino was that my grandmother in 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 her style of of what she was taught of, you know about our faith um there there was a lot of projection of human uh, uh characters if you will mm-hmm. and what i discovered on the camino is that that god is this incredible loving warm protective wonderful enveloping embracing presence in my life you know and that that it that that it god never even through the most difficult times in my life god never really walked away from me or left me alone it was me that had moved away Mm. and he was you know he was looking for me and i developed this incredible relationship with god um you know where i can honestly tell you the presence of God in my life uh, is my primary relationship. And I wake up in the morning and I go, good morning, God, with a big <laughs> smile on my face. Thank you for giving me this day. And it has allowed me to, um, it has allowed me to appreciate all the wonderful things that previously I had not. Is for example, if you have a sunny day, you did nothing, you know, except wake up, you know, to go out and enjoy it. Um, on the Camino, for example, um, I remember, you know, there were times, for example, when we would be having food, you know, we would be having our meal and the TV would be on or the radio would be on or something, you know, would be on some kind of distracting. And when you're on the Camino, you don't have a lot of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have a great big communal table. Um, you probably have five, six, seven, ten different nationalities. Everybody's speaking a different language, but guess what? Somehow, we have a conversation, wow. and we share, and we share the meal. And somebody, um, I speak English. Um, the other person speaks German, and it happens to speak, say, I don't know, Italian. And so they translate to the Italian, and the Italian translates to somebody else. And it's uh, it's a wonderful, wonderful experience. It's. Uh, it's like it says on the documentary, you go from living life at 140 to living it at five. Oh, man. You know, it's funny. It's uh, having all the, the different nationalities, people there. I mean, it really is. It, it kind of paints a picture, too, of the universal church. I mean, the mm-hmm. church is so different in, in different areas of the world, the way that we practice, the way that we pray, the way that we approach uh, God and celebrate the sacraments even can be very different. And yet mm-hmm. we're all one. We're all one, mm-hmm. so that's a, a powerful experience, too. Now, you know, another thing that I discovered in our conversation on Facebook, which made me very excited, is the fact that you happen to be a foodie. Oh, boy, am I ever. <laughs> and uh, in addition to being a foodie, I mean, you sent me pictures that first, uh, that first night we were talking um, of uh, the Camino and just this... Uh, where they were grilling outside all this different meat, and I was I was salivating. It was just wonderful. Uh, but in addition to that, you told me that you actually own a winery there in Spain. 
Well, I wouldn't go as far as, as owning a winery, but I do work with a winery and I do have my own label. Oh. And um, it's called the Yellow Arrow, you know, which is the icon marking the Camino de Santiago. And um, I've actually, you know, some people actually have, have laughed over the fact that the arrow, if you see, if you're in Spain and you look at the arrow, it is pointing east rather than pointing west. Because if you're in Spain, Santiago goes west, oh, yeah. you know, but <laughs> the label, the label, the, the arrow was actually made by my son. Uh, and um, the, the label was designed by my daughter. And they, of course, are in the United States. So for them, Santiago points to the right, um, and um, and some people had you know had suggested that I should change the uh, the arrow, and I said no, I'm not going to do it, you know, because the way that the arrow points in in, in the wine label, um, it points the way forward, mm -hmm. and uh, we're selling the wine along the Camino, and one of the things that we're doing, uh, with, you know, with the proceeds is we're setting up the La Flecha Amarilla Foundation. Mm. And the reason for this foundation is to um, is to bring young people, um, you know, from anywhere in the world, you know, with the recommendation, of course, of, of their doctor, who have finished their uh, drug rehab, to come up and do the Camino, because um, on the Camino, uh, life is very simple. You basically do four things. A lot of people do three; they end up doing four. One is you walk. You eat, you sleep, and as as you go on the Camino, eventually you go from walking to eating, sleeping, and you add praying. Oh yes, yeah. You end up, you know, you end up praying. And um, when you're a when you're a pilgrim uh, in Spain and you come from another country, you know, say for example the United States, and you're not familiar with the Spanish culture. Um, you find yourself being assisted by hospitaleros, the people, you know, that run the albergues where a lot of the pilgrims, they stay, you know, although some, you know, they choose to stay at hotels. And um, they, um, the, the, the other pilgrims from other nationalities, people from, from the Camino, they come up and they give you a hand. So this is our way of reaching out our hand, all of us that are pilgrims or have been pilgrims, um, you know, reach out our hand to people that need some help, you know, as a way out and, um, you know, in, in learning, you know, pointing the path to a life, you know, free of, um, free of drugs right. and people that would not know about the incredible, you know, positive experiences that you have on the, that you have on the Camino. And, um, you know, wine is part of Spanish culture, is part of, um, is part of the Camino. Con pan y vino se hace el Camino. <laughs> <laughs> and so why not use something that is so, that is such an integral part of the Camino, um, you know, to help, to help others. So that's, that's what we're doing. That is wonderful. You know, uh, you and I have spoken before, and uh, as, of, as of right now, that, that wine... La Flecha Amarilla is not available in the States. But, no. <laughs> but, yes. do you think that, uh, that we'll, we can change that? Well, if I can find an importer, uh, if I can find a distributor, that would be fantastic. Um, it would be wonderful for me, and I think probably for a lot of the people in the United States, 
you know, to help that they're, um, that they're contributing, you know, to doing something wonderful. One of the things that I would like to do is I would like to have wine tastings of La Flecha Maria wine in the United States and do it as a fundraiser so that I can help Lydia Smith uh, finish her documentary. I think her documentary is very powerful. I think it's wonderful. I think it's something that not just um, a few people need. I think in the world that we live in nowadays, I think it's um, to be reminded of the beautiful simplicity of life and to enjoy the little pleasures of life um, is something that we need to get back to. You know, we need to, we need to get back to that. Many of our life nowadays um, has gotten way too complicated and we have forgotten what is really, truly important in our lives. Yeah, I agree. And I, I find that in my own life and that's why I need these reminders. Went on retreat this past weekend, and that's always, I mean, retreats are always wonderful to remind us of um, what's really important in life. Now, you mentioned this uh, this documentary on the Camino, and mm-hmm. just to let uh, our listeners know if they want to check it out online, they can find it at CaminoDocumentary.org. Right. So that's, that's where it is. They've got uh, a fantastic trailer. It lasts about six minutes. If it was shorter, I would put it on the show and just play the audio. But um, six minutes is a bit long, but our listeners can certainly go to CaminoDocumentary.org to, um, uh, to, to, to give it a look. It, it really is uh, phenomenal. Now, you know, I had another thought, too, just a minute ago. Yeah. If uh, we're able to get um, uh, La Flecha Amarilla here in the States um, with wine tastings and try to do these fundraisers, you know what could happen? Right. It, it'll start to um, uh, maybe attract people to make the Camino, to, to go from the States to make the Camino, in which case that Fletcher, that arrow, will be pointing in the right direction. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, and it's, and it, and it's, not, it's not only that. You know, there's, um, the, the thing that is absolutely wonderful is um, many, um, many I, I, you know, as, as I had said and stuff up to you, is that... Um, one of the reasons that this is so incredibly important and stuff up to me is because I told you um, that my son had a drug problem mm-hmm. and uh, St. Luke's and, um, you know, and his doctors were absolutely incredible and they were absolutely wonderful. Of course, as a mother, I was beside myself, you know, uh, hurting because this is my little boy. And uh, I can say that on November the 22nd, my son is celebrating his third year of sobriety. All right. And I, God was good and kind enough um, to see, to allow me to see my son be born again. Um, he entrusted him to me. I gave it back to him because there wasn't anything that I could do. Um, he graced me by returning me my son. He's doing absolutely fantastic, and the topic of drugs um, is a topic that has a, there's there's a big taboo about that. A lot of people don't like to talk about it, or they like to pretend that it's not there. The reality is, it is there, and it needs to be addressed. And there, I know that there are a lot of kids out there that are looking for the way out um, that perhaps are not as lucky, you know, as as many other kids that have been able to get out. So, given the fact that I was that I was given this grace, um, I have a responsibility to give back, and by bringing them on the Camino, 
this is my way of, you know, giving something back as well. Wow. That, that's, um, you know, it's kind of like, uh, uh, becoming a missionary in a sense, you know, you, you experience, or even the apostles, you know, you experience Jesus, uh, and, and the life changing, uh, power of his presence. And we naturally want to go and share that joy with <laughs> others. That's, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. Now, uh, mm-hmm. I also, I wanted to, uh, uh, to mention, cause I mean, I know a lot of people may not know here, you know, listeners may not know much about the Camino. Uh, we already mentioned the Camino documentary dot, uh, O-R-G website, right. but, uh, do you have a website? Yes, uh, it's actually www.laflechaamarilla.com. And uh, people can also look um, at another website. Martin Sheen and Emilio Estevez made a movie, which is coming out, I believe, in, um, I think in, a, in the next couple of months. Uh, it's a movie about the Camino and the, and the changes and all the things that happen. They can find it at, um, I believe, I'll have, to send, I'll have to send you the link. Okay. But it's absolutely wonderful. That is uh, definitely something that uh, I would encourage people to check out. I did see the the trailer for that as well. It was very impressive. Um, yes. But I, I, I do want to encourage everyone to check out laflechaamarilla.com. Uh, and uh, for those who don't speak Spanish, it's L-A-F-L-E-C-H-A-A-M-A-R-I-L-L-A. And there will be a link, of course, over at catholicfoodie.com. If you check out the show notes for this episode, you will find the link there to La Flecha Amaria and also some pictures of the labels. Um, Sandy, you were kind enough to send me some pictures of the bottles, and I'll be happy to post those there on um, catholicfoodie.com. And I'm looking at your website right now, uh, laflechaamaria.com, and you've got this wonderful picture. I love this picture of all the wine bottles, like amidst the rocks, that is yes, so cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, those are actually it's it's actually quite a funny story because um, uh, there's uh, they're called itos and they're about oh I don't know maybe about 15 minutes away from from my house, and it's they're just you know people have been stacking you know stacking rocks you know in in this one particular area for what it seems the longest time. And so I thought, oh my gosh, you know, it's like, what can I do, you know, to, to do, you know, like something with, with, the, with the wine. So I decided to just take all the wine, you know, uh, a lot of um, bottles of wine and just kind of put them and stuff up in between. And then, of course, me being um, uh, not exactly very savvy when it comes to, to cameras and photographs and all of that, I took about um, two video cameras and uh, two cameras. And I was so excited just taking pictures and doing this. And we had Lolita, our dog, running around and pilgrims taking pictures. Oh, this is wonderful. And everything else that when it was time to pack up the car, I forgot the digital camera. Oh, no. I know. And then we went back and uh, we couldn't find it. And you know, in between the vines and the wheat growing and everything, we thought, well, at least we got the other ones. <laughs> so... <laughs> So whoever found that camera and stuff out there and happens to be listening to the show, I'm the one that lost it. <laughs> you never know. That could happen. Yes. That, that yes, well, definitely. I love that picture. It's, it's really, really cool. Um, 
Sandy, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show and for talking with us about the Camino, uh, the, the Way of St. James, uh, Camino de Santiago de Compostela, and also La Flecha Maria, the wine label that you produce. Um, you're certainly going to be in our prayers. The ministry, the, uh, the, the mission that you have to help the pilgrims there will be in our prayers. Uh, and once again, I want to encourage everybody to check out laflechaamaria.com. And uh, Sandy, you're welcome anytime to come back on The Catholic Foodie. I really appreciate you being here. Oh, well, thank you, Jeff, very, very much. And hopefully I will come up and, uh, and see you in New Orleans one of these days. I have had a craving for crawfish at Buffet for quite a Ooh, long time. Wonderful. We don't get those things up here in Spain. Awesome. I'd love, we, I'd, I would love to cook one for you. That'd be great. That would be fantastic. Okay, thank you. Thank you. God bless. Well, I want to thank Sandy one more time, once again, for coming on the show. Very, very excited to have her on the show and to have met her via Facebook. Uh, We've also been chatting uh, since then about possibly doing a few projects together, so I'm excited about that too, and I'll clue you in more on that uh, as things progress. You could not ask for a more noble cause than that. Sonny, true love is the greatest thing in the world. Except for nice MLT, mutton, lettuce, and tomato sandwich when the mutton is nice and lean and the tomatoes ripe. They're so perky. I love that. Well, you know, I mentioned earlier that I am, I, I had a birthday. I had a birthday last week, and I am 40. I'm 40 years old. Can you believe it? I I can't believe it. I I tell you, I've been thinking about that this past week, and I just can't believe that I'm 40. (laughs) I don't know. Um, You know, when I was when I was growing up, I mean, this was like way old, right? When I was a teenager, I thought, you know, I probably wouldn't live till you know past 22. Uh, You know, going going out like a uh, was it burning out like a comet or something or meteorite. I can't remember the the expression exactly, but Jim Morrison, I think, of the Doors, I think, had talked about that at one point. You know, you just want to kind of burn out in a in a in a ball of uh, a flame a flame of glory or something along those lines. As I said, I'm kind of scattered today, but um, you know, I always thought that I'd I'd kind of go out like that, and it would be earlier on in life. I had no idea that I'd be 40 one day. So, but I tell you that even though I'm surprised, even though I'm um, I'm, I'm surprisingly surprised, <laughs> kind of taken aback that I'm actually 40. Uh, I, I'm very thankful. I've been thinking about that a lot. I'm very thankful. I'm very happy to be alive. I'm very uh, grateful to God to have blessed me as he has with with a wonderful family, with a beautiful wife who is just so good, and uh, with, with three incredible children who are so much fun, who are fun-loving, who are happy, uh, who are a source, a constant source of joy, even though sometimes they fight, uh, a constant source of joy for us, for each other, and for all the people that we meet in our lives. Uh, our kids just spread joy everywhere they go. And I'm just so thankful for all of that. And uh, just, it blows me away. So uh, last week was my birthday. I can't remember now. I think it was on Tuesday. Was it Tuesday. Uh, I think it was Tuesday of last week, the 15th. And uh, that day we went out to lunch. We went to Albasha for lunch, and we ate 
a chicken shawarma plate and also a uh, gyros plate. Uh, we, we tend to go, that's what we tend to order when we go there. We split those two plates. Very, very good. We also get um, uh, a couple of appetizers. One of them is the fried cheese. It's fried halloumi cheese and olive oil and uh, with garlic. And uh, it's just really good. Halloumi is a very salty cheese. It's it's sort of a, a hard cheese, although it's not really a hard cheese. Like technically, it's a harder cheese than, than a soft cheese. Um, it, you can fry it and it doesn't melt. I guess is is what I'm trying to say. It's hard in that sense. So you can fry it and it stays together. Now, eventually it will melt, but you don't want to get it to that point, right? You can fry it, you fry it. It's kind of in sticks. It's it's a four four sides and you, you just roll it over each side and fry it there in olive oil with some garlic. You can put a little black pepper in there, um, other like oregano, something like that. So it's really, really good stuff. We love it. We We order it probably every time we go there and we split an order of of the uh, fried halloumi cheese, and uh, also we ordered an, um, another appetizer of uh, falafel, and the falafel there is excellent. Um, Albasha is a restaurant that started in Baton Rouge, so a lot of Lebanese in Baton Rouge, and I think they're they're calling it uh, a Mediterranean uh, Arabic kind of restaurant, but the guys who actually started it are Lebanese. And they have a, a location out in Covington now, so we were able to go and to celebrate my birthday there. You know, we did something else that evening, and I, for the life of me, I can't remember what it was. <laughs> I just right now can't remember. But we did end the evening with um, with brownies and ice cream. So I went and picked up uh, stuff to make brownies and ice cream in the evening, and that's what we had. Very, very good. Of course, you know, brownies what can beat brownies except for brownies and ice cream? So we had a, a really good time. That was my birthday. Now, we have had a lot of celebrating going on the last week or so. Uh, the birthday was one of them, but we also had Father's Day. Father's Day was Sunday. And, you know, I'm really tempted. I thought I was going to tell you all about it. And and the more I think about it right now, I think the more I really need to wait and let Char be part of this conversation. Uh, we had a great time. Father's Day, we took the kids down to the French Quarter. That's the first time, believe it or not, I'm almost embarrassed to say, this was the first time our children had ever been in the French Quarter. I mean, we've been in New Orleans, of course. They've actually been down on Canal Street. You know, we've been downtown in New Orleans, but they have never been in the French Quarter. I didn't realize that, and it wasn't until we were down there walking around that Char reminded me it's the first time they've been it's like, oh my goodness, I, I, I don't know why that is. But uh, anyway, so they had a ball. They had such a good time. We really enjoyed it. We all did. It was a, a fantastic day. And I, I kind of want her to be part of the conversation talking about Father's Day. And also uh, what we ate because we ate well. Uh, we were down in New Orleans for a retreat. The retreat went from Friday night to Sunday uh, around noon. And it was a retreat with Immaculée Ilabigisa. Uh, you may remember her from a couple episodes back. She was the survivor of the Rwandan genocide, and she was uh, on the show. I interviewed her a couple episodes back. So she has a fantastic story, and the retreat was all about the messages of Our Lady of Cabejo uh, in Rwanda. Cabejo uh, is a village in Rwanda. Our Lady appeared there. It's approved by the church, apparitions approved by the church. And 
Immaculate has kind of taken it as her mission that she's really been called by Our Lady to spread the word of the messages. And the messages, of course, are just like all the other messages you hear from different apparitions going back, you know, Fatima and Lourdes and um, goodness, even back to Guadalupe. Uh, all these different places, they're always the same. It's the gospel. It's, it's turned back to the gospel. Pray, fast, repent, you know, uh, read the scriptures, live the gospel, be reconciled, be at peace with each other and with God. All these messages are the basic basic messages of the gospel. But we seem to need to be reminded regularly by Our Lady to live those messages. So Cabejo is like that. And so you hear the stories of the apparitions, you hear the stories of the messages you know, during the retreat, and it, and it kind of inspires you. And you, you hear over and over and over again, not just in, you know, from Our Lady Cabejo, but from all these different apparitions, you hear over and over again about the importance of the rosary, which just blows my mind. I love the rosary, and I've been praying it for years, but it blows my mind that we, I don't know, that, that, that by praying the rosary, that it can make you holy, that it can change your life, that it can change world events. It's such a simple prayer. Anybody can pray it. Little kids pray it. Such a simple prayer. On the one hand, it's almost like you have to become dumb to pray it because it's so simple. You know, you have, you have theologians, you have uh, adult Christians, you know, like myself, who can think that, uh, you know, they know so much about God. They know so much. We know so much about, you know, the spiritual life. And you've got to have this you know, that reach this kind of state of contemplation and you've got to perform X, Y, and Z methods of getting into the groove with God or whatever and, and, and increase in these levels of, of holiness and of prayer. And, and it takes years to do. And, you know, we get caught up in all that kind of stuff and making it some sort of a technical method of attaining holiness, like like the process of becoming a, a, a you know, learning meditation in, in Buddhism. But it's not like that. It's just a little kid talking to his mom and a little kid talking to his dad and big brother and, and praying the rosary and meditating on the the life of Jesus and the life of Mary and the life of the early church and the rosary. That's all it is. You know, we just talk to our mom, our family, our heavenly family. And simply by doing that, somehow this prayer, through the grace of God, makes us holy. It blows my mind. And I ask myself the question, then why, if this is so important, if this is the prayer that she asks for over and over and over again throughout the history, at least that we know, of Marian apparitions, why do I have such a hard time doing it? Why is it so difficult? Why can't I spend 15, 20 minutes a day doing this? I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I really don't know. Um, because I'm crazy, apparently, you know, or just ultra sinful, and so I can't bring myself to do it. I don't know. I don't know what it is. But being on retreat has made me want to recommit to praying the rosary every day. And I, I, I have prayed the rosary every day since Friday. Um, now, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, I'm not saying that I never prayed the rosary. I'm just saying that for extended periods of time, I, I would forget to pray. I just wouldn't pray it. And 
when it doesn't make any sense because this is what she asked for over and over and over again. And she says, pray it daily, pray it every day. That's what I want to do. Anyway, the, the whole retreat was wonderful. I can't, I'm not going to go into details about the messages and all of that. Uh, I will put up some resources for you online at catholicfoodie.com if you want to know more specifically about Our Lady of Cabejo or if you want to know more about Immaculate. She's got a few books out that talk about Our Lady of Cabejo. She's got some uh, books on CD that you can get. I think you could even download them from Amazon and possibly even iTunes. I don't know. I'll have to check on that for you. But lots of really good inspirational stuff. If you feel like you need something to kind of kick your butt in gear as far as praying the rosary and, and, and really coming to understand why Our Lady comes to remind us how important it is to live the gospel, then this is some stuff you may want to check into. So I'll put those resources up at catholicfoodie.com. And by the way, if you have a rosary story, if you have something to say about the rosary, if you want to tell me something about Immaculate, uh, if you want to tell me pretty much anything, any kind of feedback, give me a call at 985-635-4974. I'd love to hear from you. 985-635-4974. And I will play your feedback here on the show. You can also email me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com. And believe it or not, now you can actually email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com. So if you want to be adventurous and be one of the first people to email me at jeff at catholicfoodie.com, then feel free to do so. (laughs) Now, speaking of Mary, why don't we turn to Sarah Reinhardt and her Mary in the Kitchen? Hi, I'm Junie. And I'm Ray. And this is Mary in the Kitchen with Sarah Reinhardt. (laughs) When I think of Father's Day, I think of a lot of things. One of the first people I think of is my husband. He's been quite a model of Mary to me over the years, taking me by the hand ever so gently and guiding me home to Mother Church. He introduced me and Mary, you might say, and from his example I've lived with examples of some of Mary's finest traits. In the early morning silence of my kitchen, as I prepare my husband's lunch, at least on the days the stars align right, I remember how much I've learned from my husband's silence. He seems to cherish it, to grow from it, to use it as a tool. Is that why I can sit in Eucharistic adoration every week and hold the lack of noise to myself? Mary must have had a different kind of silence than we have now, lacking as she did the buzz of electricity and the pull of electronic communication. But I think there's more to it than that. Major life happenings have a way of injecting silence into our hearts, and she had her fair share of those, from the Annunciation to the Crucifixion to the Resurrection and all those everyday miracles in between. Like my husband, I'll bet Mary used silence to recoup, to reflect, to grow closer to God. She probably also used it to think about what she would say, which is how I think my husband also uses it. 
Instead of spouting off the first thing he thinks of, he usually ponders and holds things before he speaks. This thinking before speaking is a skill I've been working on for years. One of these days, I might even be good at it. It leads to the other trait my husband shares with Mother Mary, that of gentleness. I've always been a flurry of activity and often a flurry of anger and frustration. It's how I'm wired, or so I thought. Then I saw how my husband does things. He's deliberate without being slow. He's confident enough in himself to be gentle. He seems to know instinctively something I am still learning. Anger does not solve anything. In his gentleness, I see a glimpse of my mother's face and feel her great love for me. Through the two of them, my husband and my mother Mary, I know that God must really love me. As we celebrate fatherhood today, let's not forget our Father in heaven. I'll be thanking him for the gift of a mother like Mary. Well, thank you, Sarah, for that wonderful message. And I, you know, I have to tell you, um, you know, when it comes to that whole uh, thinking before speaking thing, <laughs> uh, I, I don't think I'm really good at that either. Uh, that's definitely something that I need to work on. Hey, maybe by praying the rosary every day, I'll get to a point where I can um, I can do that. Wouldn't that be cool? So thanks again. And, you know, I, have to, I just have to say Father's Day was absolutely wonderful for me. Um, it was so good to spend the day with my family in the French Quarter just having fun. Just it, We almost felt like we are on vacation. It was just a really, really nice day. And, uh, you know, again, I will have to tell you more about that with Char when we get her on the show. Oh, you got to taste this. This is, oh, it's got this kind of nice burning, melty, it's not really a smoky taste. It, it, it's a certain, oh, it, it's kind of like a, you know, it's got like this boom, zap kind of taste. Don't you think? What, what would you call that flavor? Lightning-y? Yeah. It's lightning-y! Oh, we got to do that again! Okay, when the next storm comes, we'll go up on the roof. I know what this needs. Saffron. A little saffron would make this. Saffron. Why do I get the feeling it's, it's in, in the, the kitchen. kitchen? It's in the kitchen. So let's step into the kitchen real quick. You know, I made something last night, and I want to share it with you. I, the first time I've done this, uh, very, very cool. Matter of fact, I tried to do an audio boo. You know, if you know anything about audio boos, uh, which I believe the website is audioboo.fm, but something you can do, you can record something on your iPhone and then upload it to the site, and it could be tweeted, it could be put on your Facebook page, whatever. Uh, people on audioboo.com or audioboo.fm could subscribe to your feed, and so actually you could even subscribe to someone's feed in iTunes. But uh, anyway, what happens, you, you get to record something, I think it's five minutes you get, I, I can't remember now, uh, and then you upload it, and... It's just kind of like video, um, audio blogging or audio microblogging or something along those lines. Uh, anyway, I tried to do that yesterday. I ran out of time, so only part one got uh, got um, put up or uploaded or, or whatever. And I was so busy trying to get the meal 
done that I, I didn't go back and record part two. Actually, what happened was I was talking so much while I was in the, you know, the flurry of the kitchen and the cooking and everything else that I didn't realize that it had stopped recording at five minutes and then, you know, so that I could restart it and, and do a part two. So I just kept talking until I was done thinking it was shorter than five minutes, but it wasn't. So this is what I did. Um, I had a whole round steak. And I don't know, you know, if you've been listening for a while, you might know that we get this uh, grass-fed beef from a farmer who is you know, relatively local, about 45 minutes away from us, uh, but, but who also over the last few years has become a friend. So it's not just a person we buy stuff from, but he becomes a friend. Anyway, um, I had this whole round steak, and it was probably about a pound and a half, two pounds of meat. And uh, I was thinking, you know, what, 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 how should I prepare this? Uh, Char reminded me that I had made like a um, round steak parmesan like a, a while back, over a year ago, and I barely remember doing it. But I thought, okay, you got me on the Italian thing now. Let me figure out what I can do with this. So I do what I normally do when I'm trying to figure out what to prepare. If I want to prepare some kind of a dish and, and I, nothing really comes to mind right away, I'll go online and just check out some of my favorite recipe sites, and 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 I just get ideas. I get ideas of what I can prepare. I see a dish, I'm like, oh, I want to do that, and I don't I don't uh, copy down the recipe or print it out or anything like that. I just kind of look. Okay, these are the ingredients. This is what this is what the gist of it is. This is what we're trying to create, and I just go and and and, and do it. You know, just go and create it kind of on my own on the fly while I'm in the kitchen. You know, of course, I'll have to look over the ingredients just to make sure that I have everything I need. I might need to go to the store and get something or whatever. So um, this is what I ended up doing with the round steak last night. You may want to think about it. I made kind of like my traditional marinara-type red sauce, which in New Orleans uh, they, in New Orleans they call a red gravy. All right, I made that. And uh, I did that by using I, – I, I take uh, Cinto. That's the brand. It's Italian – uh, brand Cinto tomatoes, whole tomatoes that are skinned, they're peeled, and I, I use four of the cans. I think it's like 28 ounces. I can't remember exactly. I think it's 28. Uh, four of those cans, put it into a put them into a pot, and they're whole tomatoes. What I do is I go through and I crush them by hand. All right, now I do this before I turn the heat on under the pot. All right, don't don't turn the heat on if you're going to make this. Don't turn the heat on while you have your hands in the pot. Um, but I crush them by hand. I just pick up each one individually and I poke a hole in it so that when I squeeze it, I don't have juice squirting all over the place uh, because these tomatoes do come in juice. And once I have that all, all they're all crushed, and I, and I do it this way because I like the flavor. If you just buy crushed tomatoes in a can, the flavor is different and the consistency is different. That's why I don't do that. I do it the hard way. I buy the whole tomatoes. I crush them myself, um, and it's not—it's not pureed. It's not—it's uh, it, hand crushed. All right, that's important to me. And then I start to heat it up, and I put it on about you know medium heat, and um, or maybe maybe medium low heat somewhere around there. And then I take uh, garlic and minced garlic, and I think I did maybe nine or ten cloves, believe it or not, of garlic. Put that in there. I use that Greek seasoning that we get every year, the Greek Fest, which is oregano. It's got a little rosemary in it. It's got black pepper. Um, it's got red pepper flakes. Uh, what else? I'm forgetting something. Uh, anyway, that kind of stuff. 
And then I, I put I salt, you know, put salt. And all of this is to taste. All of this is just whatever I think would be good. So I put all that into the sauce. I let that cook, let it simmer um, so it's cooking down. And, and I also took the, um, the bone that was in the round steak, and I threw that into uh, the sauce uh, as well. Add a little flavor to the sauce. Then I took the round steak and I, I beat it out, right? I took a, a, I laid a cloth over it and under it, and I kind of beat it out to, to tenderize it, uh, which I should have done hours ahead of time, but I didn't. But I still, I beat it anyway. And I had bought at the store uh, some Italian sausage, a spicy Italian sausage. And this Italian sausage is special, though. We have a place, it's local in New Orleans, that makes this sausage. And it's uh, it doesn't have all the chemicals in it. It doesn't have all the preservatives, all that junk. Not in there, right? It's just, it's just the meat, and it's the seasoning, the spices, and that's it. Nothing else. It's as natural as you're going to get around here for sausage. So it had, I think I think there's like six links in it. And what I did is I took four links and cut them out of the casing. I cut the meat out of the casing, put it all into a bowl. Now in that bowl, I also added some more of the Greek seasoning. Uh, I added a, a bunch of Parmesan cheese that I had grated myself. I, I bought a block and uh, of cheese, a wedge of cheese rather, and I grated it myself in a Cuisinart. And then... Um, um, I say grated. Grated may not be the correct term because it wasn't that fine, fine, fine grate. It was a little more kind of chunky, crumbled, but not too chunky kind of Parmesan cheese. Anyway, I put a bunch of that into this, like maybe half a wedge, if that would make sense. I don't know how many ounces that would be, but half a wedge. Put that into uh, the bowl with the meat and the Greek seasoning. I did not add any more salt, but I did add gar uh, granulated garlic. Not garlic powder, granulated garlic. There's a huge difference between the two. If you don't believe me, go Google it, okay? Granulated garlic. I didn't want to put more garlic in it, like real garlic, um, because I had put so much into the sauce. But I did want to give it a little garlicky kind of taste. Uh, and what else did I put in there? Uh, there had to be something else. Um, oh, I took fresh parsley and fresh basil. Basil came out of the garden. The parsley came from the store. And I chopped it. And I, I did uh, quite a bit of both. Chopped it up and put that into the bowl and then mixed it all by hand. And then I threw one egg into it and a little bit of olive oil. Mixed it all up by hand. And I'm creating here a mix. And what I did is I took the, uh, the round steak and I laid it out. I had it. It was kind of the way the way it was shaped. I was able to cut it, uh, the 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 tendon, between two pieces of the round steak. So it created almost like two long um, strips, but they were kind of you know thicker. They're not just like a little strip, but a, a long thick strip. And I took the the mixture and I laid it out and lined the entire strip, both strips of the um, uh, round steak with that. And then I went back and I rolled the strips up like a jelly roll. So I rolled them up and then I tied them. I tied them around so they wouldn't come undone while cooking. So in the meantime, I took the other two um, links of sausage that were left over. I threw them into the pot with the sauce. I took um, some of the filling that fell out uh, when I rolled the round steak and I threw that into the pot. 
And then I, I, I got my cast iron skillet out, put a little olive oil in it, heated it up medium high or almost, you know, a little bit higher than that, about medium high actually. And then I browned the round steak that's been tied up on all sides, including the ends. I browned it on all sides. And then once I browned it, I stuck that into the sauce too and just let it cook. Uh, let it cook. And I let it cook um, on medium-low for a while. <laughs> I don't know how long. 45 minutes? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Anyway, when I thought that it would be done, I took the smallest one out, cut the uh, string off, and, um, and I let it cool for a little bit. And then I went and started to slice it. And you talk about good looking. It's like a jelly roll with this Italian sausage, uh, Parmesan cheese, basil, parsley, yumminess filling, right? Uh, on the inside of this uh, beautiful uh, round steak. It was just absolutely gorgeous. And then I took the smaller one after I sliced it. And I put the slices back into the sauce to heat up. And then for the bigger one, I sliced some of that just before we ate, um, and then, you know, so I'd have some that uh, Char could see when she got home from picking the kids up, um, of, of what it looked like before it was covered in sauce. So excellent, excellent, excellent dish. We loved it. Very good stuff. And, um, you know, I guess I'll have to put that recipe up over at catholicfoodie.com. So if you don't see it there in a few days, then email me at catholicfoodie at gmail.com or jeff at catholicfoodie.com. And remind me, hey, Jeff, you need to put that recipe up, and uh, I'll get it up there. Anyway, um, I hope you enjoyed that, and it was an excellent, excellent round steak, by the way. <laughs> awesome. Here's a way you can be creative on a daily basis. Well, how else in your life can you actually create new things every day? And you have to eat. This mm -hmm. is the thing we all agree on. If you're going to eat three times a day to the day that you die... Why not be good at it? Well, I had only a thousand and one things I wanted to share with you this episode, but we are out of time. So I'm going to have to wait until the next episode, episode 77, uh, on which hopefully we will find Char. Um, it's just been busy, busy this summer so far. So uh, hopefully we'll have her on next episode and we'll talk more about the food, the wonderful restaurants we went to. It was awesome stuff last week. These different restaurants, it was two big celebrations. So we did celebrate and we ate out more than we normally do ever because we were on the go and uh, also because of the celebration. So we will talk more about that next episode. Uh, but before we close, I do want to remind you of something. So take a listen to this. The explosion of new media technologies is changing the way we live and work. What's more, it's changing the way Catholics grow and learn about their faith as many turn to the Internet daily for information and entertainment. Pope Benedict recently compared the web to the digital sea and asked us to set sail without fear on the digital sea for the sake of the gospel. The Catholic New Media Celebration coming to Boston this August 6th and 7th is a response to this new evangelization. Sponsored by SQPN and hosted by the Archdiocese of Boston, the Catholic New Media Celebration is a day to come and share with others who are interested in learning about this important new medium. There will be tracks for podcasting, blogging, even a track for children. Come to the Catholic New Media Celebration, the CNMC in Boston, where newbies and veterans alike share knowledge and faith. 
Complete registration details can be found at celebration.sqpn.com. I certainly hope to see you at the CNMC. Until next time, bon appétit. I'm Julia Child. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. Bon appétit. SQPN, leading the way in Catholic new media.